Lunch Money Lambert, Jeff Malott. Welcome to the Kaizast Nation. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday night. Ryan, what's happening? We're here. I kind of want to switch that out to DJ's new song. I know. Here, should we throw a little... I kind of like that better, too. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm probably 40% of his streams on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you got it on loop? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, y'all, we got the Sam Rayburn top two finishers tonight. Uh, we're able to sneak them in here after a long weekend fighting off tornadoes and storms and a thousand boats. Uh, they they toughed it out and made it in, right? Oh, yeah. That was a good tournament, man. I, you know, everybody talks about wire to wire, you know, leading day one, going in and winning day two. I think it's probably more rare to win the same event, basically, you know, on repeat in yeah. two different seasons. That yeah. was crazy. For y'all that, that follow along, Philip Wyatt, the winner of the event, took this the same Raybird event in the fall just not that long ago just a few months ago and then of course Garamo always in the hunt looked like he was going to go wire to wire had a huge day one uh still had a good day two and finished second so we're looking forward to talking to both of them I thought oh, yeah. Guillermo was going to take it I thought he was going to go back you know, dude when Guillermo's on fish it is hard to you know it's hard to imagine him not continuing to catch him day two like he's yeah. one of those guys when he figures him out you you can go ahead and put your money on it so yeah. Hats off to Philip for running him down. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw that <laughs> box that of uh, over with. I saw that box of rattle traps he posted a few days ago, and I thought, oh damn, if he's on a trap bite, <laughs> they, they done. Yeah, they done. But anyway, we're gonna talk to those guys. It's gonna be fun. Um, you know, it was wild down there. I mean, I followed along with the weather. I was kind of worried about him for a minute because there were some events in Texas canceled, not down yeah. there, but different parts of Texas. So. AJ was keeping a close eye on it. You know, he was giving us updates on on the the weather status as it rolled through. Yeah. So good stuff. We'll talk to them here in just a minute. The season's off and running, man. We got tournaments everywhere now. Local clubs kicking off, national tournaments kicking off. Uh, I've yet to go fish a tournament, but it's coming soon. I'm, I'm hitting Logan yeah, Martin. I, I thought I was going to make this one. one. I'm going to do one one time, I think. Yeah. You got the you got the DP ready now. <laughs> I hear it's uh, fun. Yeah, man. That was uh, – I, I decided to strap that Newport on there and just, just to see, you know, kind of how it did and if it moved any different. How'd bad. that do? You like that? I saw your review vid, but do you like yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not bad, man. I'm gonna do some more content, you know, with with single single motors each one, and then the dual motors. I changed out the prop on that old town, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep messing with it a little bit. Yeah, I know. You know, kayaks in general. Ramel's been on here before and talked about that. There's a certain certain point you can't push them any harder, but a little bit of extra quickness never hurt. You right? have to go way up on the power to to make a kayak move, but you know, substantially faster. Yeah, so was, we're going to talk fishing here tonight, but I got I got to get your thoughts on the bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Man, if the NFL ain't rigged, I, I mean, it's like WWE at this point, I think. Like, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. wild. I couldn't believe that. The 49ers dominated that entire game and then lost it by not knowing the overtime rules or something. I don't know. Yeah, crazy. crazy. Uh, you know, there was two kids on the 49ers from Fayetteville High School, local high school here. Um, so I was pulling for them. And the one kid, Dre Greenlaw, that's from here, Blew his Achilles out jumping around on the sidelines. You hey, see that? Let me tell you, that's a risk that you run as you yeah. as you gain age. I hear. Couldn't couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. But anyway, it happens. Good game. It was a solid game at the end there. So fun to watch. Um, but yeah, let, let's get these guys in here in a second and talk fish. And of course, what, what kind of giveaway are we doing tonight, Ryan? I think we're up to Seagar, if I'm counting yeah, correctly. That good. So a little right. Seagar giveaway tonight. It's time. It's time to let's reline go. if you hadn't already. Ryan, I think it's like Ryan's two year cycle to. to 
put new line on and retie. St- Steve-O messaged me and he's like, Hey, you know, here's your, your cigar budget or whatever. And I was like, dude, that will last me a lifetime. Like I, <laughs> I re-spool that every three years. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about me burning through it. So somebody's going to get a little hook up tonight, be able to re-spool now. So all you got to do, like, and share on Facebook, like, and comment on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter and or X. You can just comment and like over there and we'll, We'll uh, figure out how to get your comment in the in the mix. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we've got four different platforms where we can actually see your comment for the giveaway. So it's, it's growing growing by the day. How about that? I like it. Uh, yeah. Then the, the show presented by Eco Fishing Shop, ecofishingshop.com. I saw their name on some some uh, All-American events that are coming up. That series yeah. kicks off here pretty soon, like those arcs in, in April. But yeah, Eco Fishing Shop, they got a lot going on over there. Go to their Instagram page. Their Instagram is is elite. The team they have doing their shorts and reels and things, they, they do some good stuff. Yeah, they do it. They do an elite lead job on the Instagram. Uh, Western Southern Vodka, glad to have them back. The Drink of Choice, and then uh, Pro God Lithium, the presenting sponsor. We've done Revo giveaway last week. I uh, did a Z Man two weeks ago. And then of course Gill. I saw Jordan posted about his Gill <laughs> yeah. gear, right? Johnny Maddox just uh, just commented that it's a good time to mention your rain gear sponsor. I saw a lot of people asking for legitimately dry rain gear after that uh rayburn tournament it, it was apparently a, a pretty wet one yeah road dog came in that top 10 he said he didn't get a, a bit wet wearing that wearing that gill. he was grinding man marshall was grinding he wasn't really i don't think he's looking forward to it too much but you know he always manages to pull it out yeah all right man uh let's see how about we just get these fellas in here right now let's do it all right What's gentlemen on, gentlemen G gave me the thumbs up. He said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, Like I said, this feels weird because we just had Philip on. I could probably count on one hand the months ago. It was like, what was that? October? November? For winning the same Rayburn event? Right at the end of September, yeah. End of September? Okay. So not that long ago, uh, you were on here. And Guillermo, we've had you on a few times. I feel like it's been a little bit, though, since we had you on. So we're glad you're back, sir. Yeah, that shows uh, that shows how my tournament record's been the last. Ah, last year. I don't want to hear that. Uh, don't be humble on here, man. We know. <laughs> we know. Guillermo's got a room full of trophies stacked from floor to ceiling in there. <laughs> uh, love it. How'd it yeah. go down there? I mean, Guillermo, tell us. You know, what did you find? Because obviously, you cracked them on on day one. Pretty, pretty well. Steady, it looked like. Yeah, I. Uh... So I got out there thinking I'm going to go and fish a bunch of grass, you know, and uh, I got out there and I started fishing the grass, the lake. I had been keeping track of the water level basically for a month leading up to it because uh, I know, you know, on Rayburn that can just change things really fast. And uh, about, I want to say like uh, nine days or so before the tournament, they just got a ton of rain and uh, the lake started just gradually rising. They'd been working on the dam. So they had had it six feet, I think six or seven feet low for a pretty long time. And uh, so all uh, the top of the grass was sitting right there at six or seven feet low. And they decided to, well, they didn't decide to, but they had gotten so much rain that they couldn't let any more water out of the dam. And so little by little, the lake started filling up. Uh, They actually had to postpone the work that they were doing on the dam. And uh, it came up about, I think, uh, from the time that I started monitoring it to the time the tournament started, I think it came up close to five feet. 
And so uh, on Sam Rayburn, right at about a foot and a half low, it starts to flood a bunch of bushes. And uh, suddenly, you know, my mind started turning. I was like, you know, that that might put a damper on the grass bite. And some of those fish may kind of spread out. And so while I still went into it thinking I'm going to do a grass thing, um, I wanted to keep an open mind and uh, I wanted to get out and do a little bit of uh, what I like to call spit fishing, um, which, you know, you just get you just get in that shallow water and you go spit fishing. You fish in that super shallow water. And uh, I realized really quick one of the days I, uh, I kind of had picked the bank to start off on in practice and uh, I started throwing a spinnerbait and goodness probably a foot of water picked up two within the first 10 casts and then i picked up a frog and i got six blow-ups in probably like 20 casts and i was like oh my gosh there are way frog up. fishing <laughs> there are a ton of fish up here and uh later you know as that day went on i kind of that we're holding fish did i lose y'all there for a second just yeah. for a half second we got scared we didn't know what happened but we're good okay well anyways uh i started finding different banks and uh i uh started keying in on certain areas i, I kind of figured out that a lot of the bigger fish were closer to the mouths of the creeks they were the bigger fish hadn't really moved way back in the creek at least for me i, I know there were some guys that caught some bigger ones uh back in the creek but I was catching them closer to secondary points and also kind of just in little pockets that were leading to the back, but not quite in the back. It seemed like once I got back in the creek, all I could catch were 14s and 14s, really. Although in, in the second day of the tournament, it was 12s, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, nonetheless so I, uh, I kind of banked on that. And then I was throwing a... Uh, this is this is some juice right here. I don't I don't really know if it made a difference, but but in my head it made a huge difference. I was throwing a, uh, one of those spring dinger spinner baits in practice, and uh, I was catching a ton of fish. But uh, the second time I kind of went back and and I fished some new water in that area, I I switched I switched my spinner bait and I started throwing uh, kind of a much bigger one, a big double willow a big half three quarter ounce double willow with just completely white painted blades, which just happens to be the same spinner bait that I won the national championship with back at this, you uh, those white painted blades. And I don't know what it is about like East Texas, Louisiana, just that part of the world and white painted blade spinner bait. But uh, all of a sudden it seemed like my bit, my fish grew like three inches when I started throwing that one. And uh, so I don't know if it made a huge difference. Of course, on day two, it seemed like nothing made a difference. And we can talk about that more later. But uh, that kind of wound up being my plan. The grass bite, while I did get some really good bites in the grass, I actually told a lot of people, I really think that the tournament will probably get one in the grass. And I think that was the case. Um, but uh, but uh, I thought, man, you know, I could probably cash a pretty good check fishing in that in that spit and i didn't really know exactly how big of a fish had moved up in there 
until the tournament, really. I hadn't caught anything too, too big in there, but it was big enough that I felt good going into it. And uh, here we are. So, Philip, obviously, we, we talked about this before we went live. Two times in a row, BOS event, Sam Rayburn, you get the job done. Obviously, two different times of year. Uh, go into what you found. Guillermo just said he kind of had a, had an idea of what you what you found and, and how you won this. But go into what you found and how you were feeling about the tournament going into it. It's funny. I was, uh, you know, Brian Allen and I were talking about the water levels, just like G was talking about. We were watching them pretty closely. We've seen that it had rose about five or six feet. And, you know, I'm a big grass fisherman. So I was really excited to fish grass, but I was keeping an open mind as well. And I really thought that a lot of fish would nose up to the bank. I mean, typically in Texas, that happens, especially when you're in a warm front because the bait will push up really shallow. You've got a lot of terrestrial uh wildlife that now they have availability to that they didn't before um so it makes them eat typically and a lot of times you'll catch them in inches of water like g's saying but i didn't have that luck and i didn't know this this white blade trick that he's talking about so maybe that was my deal but i threw i don't call it spit fishing but i call it jimmy houston fishing i was just you know just doing a little quick roll cast with a spinner bait up really shallow hitting every little nook and cranny, bouncing it off of limbs. And I didn't get a single sniff. And I did that for probably an hour and a half or two hours. And I just thought, you know, it was a warm, sunny day. It's shallow. It, the water's rising, but I'm not getting any bites there. I've learned not to get frustrated and not to like overthink it and just try something different. So I had tried, uh, I went into the ramp that I won the last tournament on day one practice and, my game plan was if shallow bite didn't work out to go fish that grass that I had fished in the tournament and they weren't exactly set up the same way. And a lot of it was probably because of the way the lake had rised, but I knew the contour of where the grass lines were over there really well because I had fished it, you know, just back in September. I knew there was a lot of, uh, there was going to be a lot of just, you know, different types of structure I could fish, whether it was rock, whether it was grass, whether it was some stumps, there was even some st pad stems over there. So just a lot to pick from. And like G, I, when I was bouncing around hitting the shallow stuff, I was stopping at different points and just hitting high percentage areas. And I noticed that secondary points were kind of a pattern. I was looking at my waypoints and I noticed my bigger bites were coming on secondary points. And I started triggering in my mind, okay, that's a natural pre-staging position. And I just banked that those fish were going to stay there regardless of what the water did. And a lot of it was because I was fishing a main lake area. I knew it wasn't going to be a pocket that was going to get blown out. So I felt really safe, even knowing that the rain was going to come in. And I stopped on a secondary point in my main pocket there. And I got four fish on 10 casts and two of them were good ones. One was an 18 and one was almost a 20. And I was just like, okay. And they were females. You could just see their big fat bellies. And I was like, okay, these are females. They're clearly staged up. You could see them on side image. I don't have forward-facing sonar, but just old school forward-facing sonar. I could see them. And so I knew. I, I knew that was where I was going to fish. I fished two other days, and I fished a lot of different ramps, and I just didn't see anything that compared size-wise to that. But I noticed that secondary point pattern everywhere I went around the lake. So that was my game plan. Fish those secondary points and uh, just really kind of soak through those areas. Ryan, two yes. Hobie BOS events in the books. One guy didn't have electronics at all. Mm -hmm. This fellow just said he doesn't own 
forward-facing sonars. So what, what do you think about that? It is possible, I, huh? I, the fish don't know. The fish don't know, uh, <laughs> they don't know any better. They, they don't know that they're only supposed to bite for guys with forward-facing sonar. Yeah. So let me, let me make a comment about that. Um, in practice, I remember I was in the, kind of one of the, like one of the days in practice, I was in one of those kind of hot grass areas on Sam Rayburn that just people go to and throw a red rattle trap in the spring. Right. And, uh, at one point I remember taking a break and of course we had, you know, the MLF, uh, invitational going on at the same time. And at one point I remember taking a break and just kind of kicking back in my kayak and drinking some coffee and kind of looking around and goodness gracious, it made me sick. I mean, every <laughs> single boat that I saw, had a spinning rod in their hand. They were staring at a screen. I mean, every single one. And five years ago, five years ago, every one of those boats would be making a thousand casts throwing a red rattle trap in the same area. And it just absolutely blew my mind. Yep. Um, how much fishing has changed. Yep. And, uh, you know, what's crazy. Philip doesn't have forward facing and on this in this tournament, I purposely, because of the time of the year and because of kind of the scenario, I uh, purposely did not have my uh, uh, forward-facing sonar plugged in in my kayak because I knew if I had it plugged in, I'd be tempted to use it. And at least, uh, you know, with the way that I like to fish Rayburn, I don't want to have to use it. And I figured in this particular scenario, it was a good scenario to be very successful without it. Clearly, it paid off for both of you. I mean, to add on to what G is saying, I, I thought was interesting is how horrible people are at boat positioning nowadays because of forward facing sonar. So many people running right over top of the juice of the grass where you don't want to pressure and you don't want to disturb the fish. I mean, they've got a, a not not to mention the sound of the sonar itself from the forward and the down. And then you've got that prop going over that fish's head and it's no more than five feet above their head. I mean, you know, you wonder why they're not biting. They're going, oh, it's just really tough fishing. It's like, well, I mean, if you'd back off five feet this way or you'd back off 10 feet this way, you'd be fine. But, like, you're going right over top of the juice. So, to his point, I just feel like, you know, I don't have as much experience as G does in the past with bass fishing. But just from what I've experienced, a lot of guys just aren't fishermen anymore. They stare at a graph, and that's just uh, that's a small piece of the equation, in my opinion. Long story short. I think a lot of people out there feel like they can't be successful unless they spend $20,000 in the kayak. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And I know, uh, I know, I think Blake was an example too at, uh, at Harris chain. Yep. I mean, it just could not be further from the truth. Uh, that, you know, that's not to say, that's not to say that forward facing sonar, uh, isn't hugely advantageous advantageous to know how to use um i mean I've, i have gotten to use it and i can tell you up north it's i mean it's crazy how helpful it can be but uh it's not everything and it does not replace time on the water uh at, and and at the end of the day that's i think that's more important than anything if you spend a lot of time on the water and you love to fish and and you can catch them you've got just as good a chance especially you know especially in our sport in the sport of kayak fishing where uh you know, sometimes it's, it's, I'm not saying that it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to use forge facing sonar, but it's, it's, I think it's a little bit more difficult to use it as effectively as some of these boaters use it. Uh, now with, you know, although, you know, kayaks are getting so much more advanced, especially with spot lock, it's getting easier and easier and easier and easier. But bottom line, 
don't think you can't be successful if you don't have it in these tournaments because people get their butts whooped with it all the time without it all the time or with well, it. You yeah. still can't you make the fish bite. You know, like I think for me, that's one of the most frustrating parts of forward facing sonar is seeing the fish and they still won't eat. And how much time do you waste trying to get a group of fish to eat that just they're not going to fire, whether it's, you know, weather conditions or current or whatever. And you sit and you watch these fish and they'll even follow your bait in and still won't eat. Like I don't I think knowing how to use it and having it are two different things. <laughs> Anybody can go out and buy it, but like to truly, you know, be a guru, like, I mean, look at, look at what Edwin did last year with forward facing sonar. I mean, obviously, you know, dominated several tournaments, uh, utilizing okay. forward facing sonar, but it, you know, is it necessary? No. And, and are there times of year or rising water where it completely, like we just saw eliminates, uh, forward facing sonar from from being used you know to win it like you're not going to be scanning in in a foot of water trying to make this fish eat yeah and we can get into your day one day two and more into the tournament but i'm curious what you both think about since we're talking about this uh, a lot of people say being a a talented or a good shallow water power fisherman kind of a guy can be the antidote to everybody being offshore staring at a screen right is that even more of an advantage in a kayak? Because we can get even further back. And, you know, a lot of bass boats may want to fish shallow, but you can't get back in some of the places you can get in a kayak. So is that even more of an advantage if you're confident getting back shallow, like spit fishing, as you said, G? Um, I, uh, yes, I definitely think so. I actually, it's funny. I, I was having a conversation with my buddy, uh, Joseph, about this. Uh, Joseph Sanderson, uh, this morning. He asked me, he's like, gee, he's like, you know, you used to, when you used to do well back in cats and all that, you used to only fish deep. And he's like, now all you do is fish shallow. And he's like, what the heck happened? And, uh, and I was like, well, man, you know, it, it was kind of hard to explain, but, uh, I'm starting to just notice that the way people fish is changing and, uh, and, a kayak is such an incredible platform for fishing shallow and just how stealthy you can be more than anything and how stealthy you can be. I mean, and, uh, and so for that reason and, and the way that things are changing, you know, especially in our kayak tournaments, one of the crazy things about, uh, one of the crazy things about the area that I was fishing was that, six or seven years ago on Sam Rayburn, the area that I was fishing would have been pretty crowded. And uh, because I think because of forward facing sonar during an, an event like the MLF invitational, where there otherwise five or six years ago would have been a ton of people back where I was at. I didn't have to deal with anybody. I had a couple of kayakers and, but for the most part, I was up there spit fishing all by myself. And, uh, so, I mean, there's no doubt, and I think that tournament was kind of living proof that there are kind of new advantages that are that are coming up. Now, that's not to say, you know, what Edwin did last year was insane. You know, it's, and it's so impressive, and I'm so impressed by him, and it, and it makes me want to get better with my forward-facing sonar for those scenarios. But uh, once again... Uh, there, there are a lot of opportunities that are open up for the opening up for those guys that, that fish shallow. And Philip, you were telling us before we went live, you had a little different experience as far as the crowd and especially the MLF uh, boat gang in the area that you were at. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so, I mean, day one, I'm waiting on first cast, and this guy starts trolling right right over the top of the grass line, and he's looking at his forward-facing sonar, and I'm hearing him say, man, there's fish running around everywhere here. I'm thinking, yeah, they're running away from your boat, you know, and anyway, so I'm trying to keep to myself. I've learned it's best usually not to say anything unless you have to, and the guy ended up literally spot-locking on top of the point, and I mean, I'm... I mean, I could have just done like this with a lure and hit him if it was casting time. And I said to him, I said, hey, buddy, I said, you know, what's your plan? I said, just so you know, I planned on making cast that direction. And he turns around and says, well, I have a game plan and I don't really give an F what yours is. And I'm like, wow. All right. Well, I said, hey, I wasn't trying to start an argument. You know, I was just uh, trying to let you know I'm in a tournament and, you know, I'm not just here fun fishing. And he said, again, I don't care. Leave me alone. So. That was how my morning started. Wow. I took a deep breath and, you know, just like any humble gentleman would, first cast, I pedaled right up in front of his trolling motor and started firing cast. <laughs> uh, but no, jokes aside, I um, I really just kind of soaked the areas over. I knew I was going to have to be patient because there was so much traffic in there. There was a few kayakers in there. We were all being respectful to each other. A couple of the MLF guys were being, actually all of them were being very respectful gentlemen. So I can't say anything about them. It was just a, uh, unfortunate scenario with a guide boat and um but other than that just just normal boat traffic and because of that i slowed down a ton i knew the fish were there i could still see them um, and i knew they were going to be pressured because of all the traffic but i've learned from experience that if you just slow down use baits that people probably wouldn't think would be a finesse or a slow fishing situation like a jackhammer for instance um you know you can get them to bite you just kind of have to force feed them a little bit but i knew there was enough fish there that if i slowed down i was i was going to get my bites and it paid off what was your approach on day one you you know did you did you let him get off that point did you stay in that area and kind of pick it apart on the like the periphery of of where the fish were I, I tried to make casts on, so I that was the point I caught four fish on uh, in 10 casts. And I, what's weird is, and I think it was because of all the boat traffic over top of it before first cast, I didn't get a single sniff on it. Um, and I, I thought something was kind of off. I went and hit another point that was just across the cove. I didn't get a sniff on it. And I started thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I didn't get a bite in shallow all practice, but keep them honest. I'll use a, a Rolando Nadine term there. He's, he's big on keeping fish honest. And so I said, let's try it out shallow. And so I just started pitching the hammer around up shallow and, and hooked into one pretty quick. And it come up and jumped and spit my hammer after the second jump. But it was like a 20 plus big mouth on it. And I was like, okay, that stinks. But that's, you know, there's probably more than one there. So I started picking fish up. That was down a stem line. Uh, there were some pad stems there. And I started picking fish up over top of those pad stems. And like G was saying, everybody was out fishing with forward-facing sonar. Nobody was up fishing that shallow stuff. So they were completely unpressured up there. Um, now that people started fishing up there once they seen me catching fish, of course, and the bite kind of died down. But then what's funny is then the fish redirected and then they pushed offshore as the day started coming up, or at least the fish that were there started biting. So just being methodical and just keeping them honest and just making a thousand casts like an old school fisherman would do. Do you know this, Philip? Did you win more money than that guy that was sitting there on day one? I don't know. Well, he was a guide, so I probably made more money than him. But no, okay. I thought it was one of the tournament guys. I didn't know. <laughs> no, no. The tournament guys were nice. They were always respectful and always communicating. And we, you know, we all did that, uh, which is, you know, which would you expect as a, as somebody else that's competing, but 
you know, I'd say for the most part, it was uh, a good experience, even though it was just a ton of traffic. Like I said, there was, you know, the MLF tournament, there was a high school tournament, a college tournament, I believe, a couple of local trails that were out there. So, you know, you're probably looking at five or whatever hundred boats just between, just between that before you think of weekend warriors. How did your day one progress from you, you know, finding those fish on the pad stems? What, what happened after that for you to continue to get up? What do you have? 93 something, Jeff? Yeah. On day yeah. One? 93. And yeah. I, so I caught him up shallow on the stems and there's another point across and I, I started hitting it shallow and I picked up a couple of fish over there and then the shallow bite died down. So I started working deep again. Um, yeah, I got my first bite on the hammer out deep and then I just started working through moving baits. I was throwing a crankbait. I was throwing a lipless. Um, and those were the ones I was getting the most bites on. And so I just started cycling through baits. You know, if I'd get a bite in an area, I'd pick up the other baits after I didn't get a bite for a while and just uh, keep them honest. And that seemed to really work for me, just kind of the bait changes and making sure I was staying in those high percentage areas where the fish were stacked up. And so I just... As the day progressed, I started slowly picking up better and better kickers because I was sitting in the mid 80s for a while. And then towards the last two hours of the day, I picked up a couple of key fish, one of them being a, a 20.25 on, on a crankbait fishing. And that was up shallow, ironically. I just pitched it up shallow as I was going by, going to go hit this point, And there happened to be one sitting up shallow. So, you know, again, it's always just about keeping them honest. It looked like a good spot, made a pitch, <laughs> and there was a fish there unreal um so Guillermo you had you had the lead on day one you had a comfortable lead I was like I said before we went we first went live I've seen you do work in Texas for a lot of years I've donated a lot of money to your Texas campaigns at different events down there so I, I thought I thought you might bring it home I was cheering for you to bring it home because uh you're a friend of mine and uh, no offense Philip but what what changed from day one to day two uh obviously you still finished second you had a great event but obviously something changed for you from day one to day two yeah, it was it was kind of nuts because, you know, all through practice, I went, I only, I never, I went pretty easy on them. I mean, once I found a good bank, I left. Um, and I, you know, I was able to found, find several good banks, all with what really felt like just piles of fish in them. It was kind of cool. Anyways, um, and I felt really confident that on day one, at the very least, I was going to have a ton of fun and, uh, I did, I, I had just an absolute blast. Um, and after day one, uh, I felt pretty confident. I throughout that day, I had several fish, uh, several good fish miss just completely outright miss the bait or bump it. Or, you know, I could, I, it was pretty visual. I was rolling it right on the surface, uh, dang near uh, waking it. And uh, so I could pretty much every fish that ate it, I watched come up and swing at it. And so going into day two, I was like, man, unless something crazy happens, there was a lot of rain coming. And so I figured, well, there's always the possibility that the water will look a little different. But I was I was far enough away from from water coming in that I wasn't too, too worried about it. Uh, but uh, the next day, all at once. I could not explain. And, and I actually, I had actually left myself a lot of completely fresh water to fish on day two, um, water that I didn't touch on day one on purpose. And I could not explain why I wasn't getting bit. Um, 
and it wasn't till later on in the day I, I got out uh i got out a little bit and i came across this point and i realized that uh there was just a ton of current ripping down that uh that big kind of creek slash slash branch of the lake and uh that hadn't been the case all through practice or in the tournament um i'd gone by that point a million times and didn't see that and uh i i'm not gonna say that that's kind of what put them in a funk i really i really don't know what put them in a funk but uh in spite of all that i was uh i was actually pretty proud of myself because i knew after about three or four hours i knew i was facing a pretty difficult situation and i was gonna have to make some pretty major adjustments uh in in kind of what i was fishing um if i was gonna make something happen and uh in in order to still dwell in the tournament at that that point i was just trying to salvage the tournament i was trying to salvage a good finish um and uh and so like i was like i said in the at the awards i had it took me about four and a half five hours to get a limit on day two whereas it took me 35 minutes on day one and that limit on day two was a 14 and four twelves and i was going to submit the four twelves but the signal was giving me problems so i only was able to submit the the 14 i had the other four twelves in my live wall and i was like i that's not a that's not good i i need to i need to get to colon and what was crazy uh it was when it started it started this giant storm came in on that second day and at, at one point it started hailing right and it wasn't a hard hail thank thank goodness it wasn't a hard hail it was really tiny and it only lasted probably 10 or 15 seconds but uh goodness as soon as that happened i got like five bites in a span of like 15 minutes really and cold pretty much all of those 12s i'd never experienced anything you like think that it was a disturbance on the on the surface or something made him mad i have no idea i have That's absolutely crazy. no idea i might have just come in on a pile and it just happened to be raining for all i know but uh i caught a bunch of fish all at once and uh i was able to cold dang near all of them and uh i i once again i i tried to kind of get some of them submitted but you know when i'm in a tournament if they don't want to submit right away i don't try too hard um if i have to wait till later i will so i just wound up putting them in my live well once again and then i was finally able to submit some of them i actually uh i i took a look at the standings and uh, i i don't usually do this but <laughs> i i did do this this one time i i had one fish in my live well that would have put me ahead of like five different guys, but I did hold that fish. <laughs> I don't usually do that, but I did it this time. I was like, you know what? I don't need these guys fishing any harder than they already are. And I am allowed to do that. And I'm sorry, AJ, but I did do it this one time. Um, I held that one fish. And then uh, thankfully, I, I kind of, after catching those fish and, and fishing a little more, hoping that they were just starting to turn on, I realized, man, I just, I just hit like a, a, either a lucky stretch or, or that weather, like got them going. But I realized I have to make a decision. I got to figure out 
how I'm going to fish the last hour of this tournament if I'm going to be able to put anything together. Um, so I actually got on a map. This was after I had realized that all the current was flowing through through that through that kind of branch of the lake. And uh, I made a point to just get out of it, do the same thing I was doing, but just get out of it. And uh, in the last 30 minutes, I made two big calls that uh, pushed me even further ahead of second place. And at that point, I felt like I could at least breathe. Um, I knew I knew at that point I wasn't going to win. I wasn't going to win the tournament. But uh, at the very least, uh, I felt like salvaging that TOC spot was a big deal. And I was able to do that. And I was pretty dang proud of myself. Yeah. This year that changed. In my mind, you were sandbagging the whole time. I looked at like 11 o'clock and saw you had a 14 submitted. And I was like, there's like, he's got a bag. Like Guillermo has a bag. After what he caught yesterday, he's got a bag. And I was like, man, surely he's sandbagging. And then I watched the awards and I was like, he's in second. He he was definitely sitting on him. I didn't realize it was that dramatic on the... (laughs) on the the timing of your fish catch you know when you actually started making those bigger calls to move you that far up the leaderboard yeah i was on mind you i was only sitting on one and it wasn't to have this impressive epic limit it it was just (laughs) enough to uh to to push me ahead of who was in second at the time you know but uh and and i've i've never you know usually i if i got them i'm submitting them um i like to you know i like i like it when you know people like my family can get on there and uh and look and watch and and follow and i think it's really cool how you can follow in this sport how you can follow along and so usually if i've got them i'm posting them and i did not have them on day two Uh, when i posted that 14 i uh for a long time i did have i did have a few 12s but i couldn't for i couldn't push them through for whatever reason so they were sitting in my live well um, but I did not have them that day. And if I did have them, I would have been putting them up. Cause I like to, uh, I like to make things exciting for those watching. And, and you, you made a, you mentioned the secure the TOC spot and they changed that qualification this year. So this, this event only gave away two spots, right? Correct. So yeah, you squeezed right in there in the past. It's always been three, no matter what. So right. yeah, that, that was a big move to get into that, that number two hole. Yeah. felt good for sure. Yeah. Philip, how did your day two go? Did it start off in a similar fashion or did you have more water to yourself on day two? How, how was, how was your, your final day set up? Uh, there was, it was literally just me and the entire area to start the morning. And a couple of people kind of filtered in and out throughout the day as the, the day went. But I mean, I pretty much had the area all to myself. And I think that's why I was able to stay so consistent on day two. Um, I like to think that I would have found 90 inches no matter what. But, I mean, the reality is when you don't have so many casts and so much, you know, activity going over top of the fish, that definitely helps the bite out. You know, looking at the leaderboard, um, I am a leaderboard watcher. I like It gives me motivation to to see what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I don't do it all day, but, you know, definitely every hour or two, I'll, I'll take a look at it and just kind of see where everybody's at. And I just kept seeing that nobody was posting any fish. And so – that's when panic really started to set in for me because I'm sitting in first and I'm thinking I've got people like G that I know are just absolute hammers. There's other people that I won't call out, but they're known to be sandbaggers as well and have shocked people in local tournaments by coming in with big bags. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so somebody's playing me for a fool here. They're going to let me think that I'm doing well. 
And then, you know, I'm going to walk in there all happy and, uh, you know, in the awards ceremony and someone's going to be like, hey, so guess what? <laughs> I had 110 today or some crazy <laughs> thing like that. Um, because we all know what Sam Rayburn can put up. It's got monster fish in there. If you do find an area that's got them, it's, you know, especially the way the bite was, it, it would have been relatively easy to get on them. But for whatever reason, I think mainly because of the rain that came in that day before, I think it just really, I don't want to say blew out a lot of areas, but it just changed the way the fish were set up, the way they were biting. And I think that's what benefited me is also my area just, it was in an area where there was no current coming from any direction. It was already chocolate milk, basically. I had like six inches of visibility in practice on Wednesday when it was pretty clean. Um, so other than there being more debris on the surface, nothing changed uh, for, for my water clarity or anything like that. And the fish, day two, were positioned deep to start. They weren't up shallow because I tried them up shallow and I never got any bites up shallow on day two. I caught all my fish offshore and it stayed that way all day. And the bite was even better on day two than it was uh, in day one. I just didn't get as many big fish. Well, close, but not as many. That was a, that was super consistent, though. Uh, your your stringer, especially your what maybe an inch difference between day one to day two. That you know, I mean, that's uh, that's about all you can ask for in in one of these bigger tournaments, especially. But you were talking about Sam Rayburn and potential for big bags. Was it one of the MLF guys had like a thirty eight pound bag out there on yeah. Saturday or something? I mean, something you know, insane. And then I think he had 14 pounds the next day. Uh, so obviously something changed, you know, across the lake as far as the bite went. Uh, you know, having to adjust to that, hat, hats off to you both, you know, being able to chase those down, especially, Philip, for you to stay that consistent day one and day two. And we talk about that all the time, how consistency usually trumps having, having a, a huge bag on one day for sure, as we saw at the Harris chain as well. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I wasn't. I mean, I wanted to get first. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't, but I wasn't necessarily fishing for first. I seen G sitting there with 98 inches on on day one. I honestly thought he was going to go out and put 95 plus up pretty easy day two. I mean, you know, have a 23, you know, that's a kicker, no matter how good of a fisherman you are. So, you know, in my back of my mind, like, well, if he doesn't get another 23, there's a chance if I go get 100, I might be able to jump him. But I thought it was going to take 100 plus, more like 105 plus to even get a chance to jump him. And so – I mean, that was really my game plan was to go crack a real big 100-plus-inch bag. It just ended up being lucky for me that there was, you know, variable changes in other places. And, um, yeah, I mean, good Lord good Lord definitely looked out for me because I was asking for his help the whole way. Yeah, Ryan mentioned consistency. I looked at the leaderboard, Ryan, and shout-out to Larry Hill and, and Jeff Isham third and fourth oh, yeah. respectively those guys had really consistent day one and day twos and, and hung shout right out to the their sales team yep, one two three and four ago. and yeah. six That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. texas dominated the top 10 on that one yeah. by far i mean we you know usually we see some outliers and a lot of times you'll get folks from out of town that kind of look at the lake in a different way they don't fish history that kind of thing uh but i mean the texas boys showed out on rayburn for sure yeah yeah, well, you know, some people would say we should, but we definitely held our own out there. <laughs> yeah, y'all did damage. I had to throw this one up, Brian. You mentioned Big Bass. Oh, my uh, defending gosh. defending TOC champ Brady hog, Stores. Man, the purple Crocs still out there. <laughs> purple on purple. That's that was a, big a monster. One. Did he get weight on that? I didn't. I didn't read anything. But he, he didn't. Didn't. He didn't. 
No, he didn't oh, get away. Man. God, that's a giant. I think he tried to stuff it in that cooler, but he couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Should have brought a bigger cooler. Yeah, wouldn't fit in there. G, yeah. did you feel any pressure? Uh, we we talk about this with a lot of guys, especially on the wire to wire thing. Did you feel the pressure going into day two, or like you said, did you think you had enough fresh water in front of you that you were going to be able to to go out and be that consistent? You know, uh, I think you're not human if you don't feel a little pressure. I didn't, I didn't feel like overly pressured. I mean, I was, I was really relaxed uh, going into day two. I knew I knew I left a lot of water alone, a lot of really good water. Um, and I honestly, I felt, I felt really confident in, in, in what I was going to be able to do on day two. I, I didn't think, I thought, you know, given something drastic doesn't happen, there's, there's absolutely no reason I couldn't do it again, or at least have a, have a good day, you know, put up a mid nineties bag. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that storm brought a lot of rain and, and it definitely, uh, definitely changed some things in, in my area. Now I'd be curious, uh, to get back over there in three or four days and see if those fish kind of get back in that pattern. Cause that was just a ton of fun. But, uh, but I, I honestly, I, I felt really good about it. I felt about as good as I could have. Um, but, uh, circumstances don't always work out in this game and, uh, fishing can be a cruel sport. And, uh, Philip wound up being a lot more consistent than I was. And, uh, even though, uh, despite the fact that I was pretty proud of myself that under those conditions, I was able to, at least put together put together a respectable enough bag to hold down second. Oh yeah, for sure. Philip, did you do you like being out front, or would you rather be like four or five spots back and kind of? I don't want to say hungry, but you know, motivated. Like, hey, I'm gonna get out here and try to run this guy down. Well, I did it both ways. You know, I reeled to reeled in September. Um, I came from behind this time. I'd say I felt a lot more relaxed this time. Uh, because there wasn't the pressure to hold first. Mm-hmm. Being in first, I had a lot of nerves going into that second day. I was able to, to calm them down and obviously get it done. But, you know, I mean, I only had like 85 or 6 inches that second day. It was lucky that I had a I had the, the big bag of day one in that September tournament, which held me down. And so to answer your question, I think it's really easier to come from behind having done both uh, because I I knew I was on good fish. I knew there was going to be a lot less pressure the next day. Like, gee, I felt really good about my pattern. I knew I could run it again, and I knew I could get on the fish. It was just a matter of, you know, not letting them get off the hook whenever I got them on. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely mentally easier to be sitting behind and be hungry, Uh, whereas when you're in first, the expectation is, well, you know, go win them. And in that that September event, we had a double dip, so I – I won a TXKBL event day one. And so everybody's like, oh, yeah, go win it tomorrow. I'm like, oh, no pressure, guys. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say it's probably easier to, to come from behind because the expectation's not there. And then kind of to double down on that, you know, y'all posted on the KBN page, you know, who do you think's going to win? And full candor kind of put a chip on my shoulder because I didn't see my name <laughs> one time and I'm the defending champ. I was just like, oh, I, I kind of get it, I guess. I haven't done it as long as the guys that are getting mentioned, but at the same time, like not even an honorable mention here, guys. Well, that's okay. Cause I'm, well, I'll do it this way. I've got two now. So. <laughs> All right. So next Sam Rayburn tournament, I vote for Philip to win. Yeah, that's the only way. To, that's the only way to have me just do dog. He's, just tell me I'm going to win. So, so I'll vote for him next time. My bad. 
<laughs> yeah, you're playing like tic tac toe with your checks. I see you got one there in top right. You got to you got to get one in the middle. You can make it make a line there. Yeah, exactly. I'm running out of room on my trophy shelf over here. So, <laughs> oh boy, I dig it. oh boy, I like this. You can fella. get that Cowboys helmet down off there. That'll help. I like this bit. <laughs> yeah, that's not a trophy at all. We didn't really that, so. <laughs> oh man. What uh what do you got next on your list, G? Where's your next tournament stop? You gonna come out to South Carolina in a couple weeks? Uh yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. I don't I don't know anything about Murray, but uh seems like a good lake to go and not know anything about and yeah, fish from, hard. And from all the videos up. and stuff I've saw, it looks like you'll enjoy it quite a bit. <laughs> it looks like it's gonna set up pretty well for your strengths, I think. Okay, cool. I have no idea. <laughs> It, it looks this time of year looks like a lot of fun. Philip, what about you? What do you got next? Uh, big event wise, uh, golly, what do I have coming up on the calendar? Well, we've got Bassmasters coming up on PK here locally. Right, Pat will be coming up locally here on for Hobie. This weekend, we've got a local event on Welsh. I'm fishing a tournament every every weekend until mid June. So nice. Um, I'd have to go back and look at my calendar to see all of them. But, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of it. I mentioned I'm going to be hitting Chick this year, so I'll be hitting three three Hobie events um, plus the TOC. It's going to be a busy but but good fishing year. You got to chase that AOI now. You got a victory in the pocket. I was already going to do three, but now I feel like I'm obligated to do three. So, <laughs> Gee, what are you, you going to fish? How many out of the Hobie schedule? Are you going to make that northern swing up there to Saginaw and Cayuga? Oh my gosh, I I can't wait for those tournaments. Uh Cayuga was, you know, I, I fished in Texas for a long time and we have some super cool lakes in Texas, but Cayuga's gotta be the coolest lake I've ever fished. Really? I mean, that place was just a blast when uh we went over there last year um and i i seriously can't wait the, i think the only uh, hobie events that i will be missing i i don't know if i'm going to do logan martin and i don't know if i'm going to do norman um but i think i'll be doing everything else and i'm super stoked to do it especially those northern events those yeah. those are the ones i'm most excited about i think i'm gonna have to pick one or both of those up i was gonna fish logan martin but i was telling jeff beforehand my niece it's her first birthday <laughs> on that saturday at 1 p.m so unfortunately that's gonna trump the logan martin <laughs> event look at this we got blake abby in the comments talking about i'll see you at cayuga my man's hitting oh, the road man. uh -oh. Come my back. Man's hitting the road. <laughs> yeah he's out like you're gonna do really well at cayuga that's all i gotta say he you're cracked the top him. three on the local uh florida event i saw yeah, back on harris chain He's he's got the he's got the itch now. We'll we'll be seeing a lot more of Blake. I feel like. Yeah. I hope we do. He's a good dude. He's a really good dude. Hey, we got a couple of questions I've started a while back. I want to get to Ryan. Uh, one from the legend Bob Baylor. Uh, straight to G. How does G like? I know, Guillermo, you ran Diablos for many years, and now you've yep. been in New Canoe the last couple of seasons. How do you like the New Canoe? And do you run a stern mount, bow mount? Uh, what do you run on? So, uh, cool thing. Um, this year, I actually, I, I love the new canoes, especially the Pursuit, so much so that this year, I actually uh, I actually signed with them. And uh, I actually haven't made that announcement yet, but I guess I can announce it here. Drop hey. it live um, on the go. nation. Yeah, yeah, pretty That's cool. Huh? Yeah, congrats, man. 
But anyways, yeah, I, uh, I love, absolutely love the pursuit. I, I got to fish in a lot of boats last year. I got to fish and, and, and there's, and, and they were all amazing in so many different ways, you know? Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, of all those fish that I fished out of that, that new canoe pursuit was, was, was my favorite. I, uh, the way I have it set up, I have it set up with the NK 300 in the back and, uh, the pursuit is a bullet I with bet. the NK 300. I, I mean, I, I had a guy ask me, uh, you, you think anybody can, can, can beat you in that boat? And I, I, I honestly had to tell him, I, I don't, I don't think anybody could beat me in a speed race in this boat. Um, that boat on, a on, I have gotten it up to seven, three on a light load with the NK 300 and on a heavy load, I can get it up to six, eight. I would say that or the old school attack, like that was a super fast boat and they're both very similar in That's the true. Yeah, that was just. Like that was I think those boat. are probably the two fastest kayaks that we've seen as far as uh, motor motor driven goes. And then uh, in addition to that, I mean, it's efficient. I can run, I think with, you know, 35% throttle, I'm going over five miles an hour with the pursuit. So the amount of just range that that gives me is, is absurd on, on one battery. I could run a much as a result, I can run a much smaller battery. And I don't know if you guys have seen this. I saw a guy just mention it. Uh, I actually, the way that the new canoes uh, steering system works for their, for their quick connect motor mount, it has a lever. So when I'm never, I'm standing up and fishing uh, just going down the bank. And, and I actually, this was a huge, uh, this was a huge, very advantageous for me at, uh, at uh, Sam Rayburn. I stick a PVC pipe on the lever so I can steer it while I'm standing. There you go. Somebody in YouTube said it. I literally had it set at, uh, for almost the entire tournament at Sam Rayburn. I had, I had the new canoe NK or sorry, the Newport NK 300 set at 3% throttle. And, uh, at 3% throttle, I steered it with the PVC pipe and I just went down the bank for, for <laughs> in some cases for like, for like miles. I'm well, trying I to picture to... tall G coming down, holding a PVC pipe, slinging a spinner <laughs> with one hand. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post some videos. Yeah, some please. Yes. See exactly how that works, but we need to I'll tell that. you what, it's, it's, it's a cool system and it works really well for me. And I love it. I, I get questions at boat ramps all the time what the heck do you have a PVC pipe in your kayak for? And then I show them and they're like, oh my gosh, that's pretty dang cool. See, you've been yeah. rigging stuff all along because you had that that side mount trolling motor on that yeah, Diablo too. On that Diablo. The, yeah, I remember you had some, you've had some rigs over the years. You, <laughs> Definitely. But, uh, but you know, I, I, I loved running that Diablo. And, and like I said, I, I really, I loved every boat I got in last year. But, uh, but that, that pursuit, just the way I, I can rig it, and what I'm able to do uh, with it is is just it's just impressive. It impressed me the most, and uh, I'm so excited to be a part of that team and to run that boat for uh, for years to come. There you go. As far as like you know, going from the Diablo, especially, I think the new canoe is probably the best fit. You know, 
going to to the larger boat platform if you will for you i mean just your setup and your fishing style because you're fairly you know minimalist you don't have a, a million things cluttering up everywhere like i think as far as you know the flat deck open easy rigging goes i think that was probably a pretty easy transition for you yeah definitely you know i i had been uh just i'd been i had gotten so used to fishing just a certain way i love to stand um and that i you know while i i had used you know a lot of the pedal platforms and and had success with them um i i just had to go back to just having that kind of open deck platform i i like having room for my feet i like having room for my stuff and uh and that transition was was definitely uh was definitely perfect for me if you're looking for for just a complete performance powerhouse uh like non-pedal driven boat uh i absolutely love my pursuit and would 100 recommend it i also uh i also really enjoy the unlimited i think the unlimited is, is extremely comfortable i think it's probably a little bit more comfortable of a boat if you're looking for something that can handle a lot of weight maybe a little better but uh if performance is all you care about i, I it's hard to beat that pursuit with a rear mounted motor it's just it's so hard to beat and if you're not down there by Mariner Sales, they are available to ecofishingshop.com. <laughs> the swoop. Duke, Either, don't or. Get mad Either at or. Don't get mad at him, Duke. He's just kidding. Not, not uh, Philip, you're you're running a PA. You, did you have a motor on your boat for this event? Nope, no motor for me. No uh, motor, no wait a minute. No. face and sonar. Whoa. Just out there raw-dogging it, son. And I have a 180 drive. I mean, I just like completely sacrilegious out there in the kayaking community. That's what I was. I like the 180 drive, man. Like I, you know, as far as dependability and just being able to beat the hell out of it, I really, that was, that's what I fished out of the last two years. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. You know, it's, you know, there's little quirks you have to get used to. Like sometimes I have to take my paddle out or my net out to kind of spin myself around if it gets a little windy. I'm like sure you're fishing. From, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> almost like you're in a kayak fishing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's just little things that you learn to work around. Um, uh, I hate to be a spoiler though, but I am looking at uh, a new build and I will be putting an NK 300 on it. So yeah, there you go. I, you know, G, G made a good comment at the, uh, at the awards and it was something I was already thinking, you know, for me, I do enjoy the, the physicality of it because it keeps me in shape, you know, at 37 and everything helps, especially when you like sweets like me, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, in a tournament time is money literally. And, you know, when you submit a fish with three minutes left, if you can't do six miles an hour, you don't get there, right? You don't get that fish. So, um, and it gives you a chance to get to places you wouldn't probably go. You know, you think about a cold, windy day, you're going to get sprayed a ton across the lake. Do you want to pedal all the way across the lake or do you want to just hit go and look at your phone and kind of cover your face up? I mean, that's what I prefer to do. Um, so yeah, I'm looking yeah, at my get personal favorite drink coffee. Yeah, drink coffee, Dr. Pepper, right? Lunch money. Uh, White monster, baby. That's it. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm taking in on the water. Yeah. Um, you know, I think anybody that's naysaying the motor, they're just not being realistic with their self. I'm not, it, it doesn't make you win a tournament, but it dang sure doesn't make you lose one either. Um, and if you're going to get one, you might as well get a Newport. Yeah. Uh, another question that's been up there for a minute. We'll, we'll let you guys get out of here pretty soon. Top shelf fishing on YouTube. Uh, when the bite is off, what's your go-to exploratory bait and why? Either one of you can take that. Or both. Go ahead, G. 
Uh, man, that is a loaded question. <laughs> but but I'm going to go ahead and pick a couple here. Uh, shallow water, summertime, a buzzbait. Uh, in uh, the early spring, in the early spring, probably a... Uh, a the new bill lewis hammer trap uh it's just it's hard to beat that 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 uh new hammer trap just absolutely kicks like a mule a lot of people think you can only fish it in grass um i've run it up against rocks it and it it just it's just a straight up fish catcher if you're just trying to find fish and move quickly um and all times of the year a spinner bait what about you philip well, I didn't know there was any other answer other than a jackhammer, but uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I use that a ton as a search bait, especially when I'm practicing for tournaments. It just, I mean, for me, it doesn't matter what body of water, what clarity, what temperature, they're going to hit a hammer in my opinion, or maybe it's just because I'm so confident with it, with it, I feel that way. And I could cover a ton of water with it. I will pick up a buzz bait um, if there's a good frog bite going, or if there's a good top water bite, or I'll put on a prop frog, which is why I'm saying frog. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, you know, I'm trying to get a bite and I'm trying to use something that I have confidence with. And I don't care what, you know, what, how shallow it is, how deep it is. Like I said, it doesn't really matter any of those conditions. I feel like I can throw a hammer and get a bite. So for me, that's my, my number one go-to search bait. There we go. Uh, Jim B on YouTube says, "Does G not have heat?" He said, "He thinks she looked cold." G, you're right there. Oh, G's got yeah, the fan actually, going yeah. up there. He's got, I, uh, he's got the fan and all goes. <laughs> I'm at a buddy's house, and uh, I had just gotten here and literally logged right in, and I didn't even take my jacket off. But no, it's actually I am Puerto Rican, so I get cold a little <laughs> easier than normal, <laughs> and I can wear jackets for a lot longer than most people. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's I, there is heat here, and it's. Not <laughs> <laughs> the may the man take his jacket off relax jim relax he's fine jeez well i don't know about you g but we I mean it was 60 I mean, almost 70 degrees when we left east texas yesterday i i get here in, in north texas where i'm from and it's 41 i mean oh, there's a cold front coming through we're supposed to have snow tonight around here on the mountains oh wow yeah yeah crazy it's no snowed in arkansas this morning so wow. it's heading your way around it's heading your way i'm not looking forward to it yeah uh, gentlemen, congrats again. We're going to let you slide out of here. Uh, I know it's, it's been a long, cold weekend, windy weekend down the lake. You got to be tired. So we appreciate you taking, setting a little time aside, taking the time to come on here with us. And G, obviously that. we've talked about Mariner sales. You, you dropped your new canoe announcement. Anybody else you want to thank before you two get off here? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many people I want to thank. Uh, of course, you know, this, uh, just the, the everybody in this sport, we 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 just have absolutely the coolest sport with the coolest people, and I, I'd fight anybody that thinks otherwise, man. Uh, it's uh, and and I gotta thank everybody in it. It's it's been such a ride just these last few years, and I and I can't wait for the next few years. Um, of course, I want to thank all of my sponsors, and 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 I really I really uh, a special shout out to FPV Mariner for sponsoring that event and supporting uh and supporting kayak fishing in such a special way uh i i i've been working with uh fpv and mariner for a couple of years now and they're just great people if you're looking to get into kayak fishing and just want to talk to somebody about kayaks and just learn a little more uh definitely give, give those guys a call the people that I have, they have on st on staff there are 
are anglers and they love the sport and trust me, they can talk about it for hours. So if you want to go and just learn and, uh, and be immersed by the sport or just talk shop, go give them a visit. Duke Tran, one of the goats. Definitely. Total goat. Yeah. So starting with my sponsors, uh, monster fishing, I mean, that's how I'm winning all these tournaments. You got to have a monster hat if you're going to catch a monster fish. So, you know, that's how that goes. Waterland, uh, you know, I've always got my sunglasses on, um, wear, wear their gear, love their stuff. Uh, Dobbins Rods caught a lot of fish that had the uh, the hook fall out that 736 CB glass by uh, the XP champion. That uh, that is the number one chatterbait market on the rod, rod on the market. I don't care what anybody says. Sorry, Scotch. I, uh, I have to disagree with your opinion. I do love the the seven six four. Don't get me wrong. The seven six four C is really good. Uh, but yeah, and Mariner sells. G G hit it on the money. Uh, really, really solid people over there. Duke Tran, uh, really good guy. Um, even before uh, I was sponsored by them, I, I had an event last year, and my, uh, my my battery charger died out on me. It was actually my fault. I, I reverse reverse polarized it, trying to plug it in too quick. And uh, anyways, he met me in the parking lot at like six o'clock, you know, like an hour after they had closed to make sure I could get out to the Bassmasters to Gunnersville last year. So just really solid people. They're fishermen. They get it. They live the life. They can talk the life. Uh, they give you really good deals. Um, so I recommend stopping by there. And then Jesus Christ, I've always got to uh, always got to thank him. I wouldn't be here without him. Um, he supported me again. My friends, my family and all the people that support me. I have uh, and I've met so many people um, in this whole kayak deal, just like G was saying, so many great people. I'm, I'm really, really invigorated for the future of this sport and just all the memories and people I'm going to meet. One more uh, one more comment. Just real quick, he you know he mentioned something really special Duke did for him. I just wanna I just wanna make another plug on Duke real quick. When uh, the year that I won the national championship, I was having boat problems the first and second day, and uh, Duke went to my house, picked up my other boat, and drove it three and a half hours to Shreveport. So I had another boat that was didn't have any problems to fish out of, and that's one of that uh, that's one of the most generous things anybody's ever done for me. And I went on to win that tournament. And I, I think I owe so much of it to a guy like that guy and definitely the kind of people that we want to support in this sport. Yep. If you don't know Duke, you need to, he's an OG. I mean, in my opinion, the godfather of Texas kayak fishing and anybody can debate that if they want to, but I mean, ever since, you know, what was it? Eight or nine years ago, like Duke has just been, at the forefront, always involved, continuing to grow, and and he, you know, he's still pushing it forward today. So hats off to Duke. Yeah, you see we got mentioned Harris as well. I mean, that guy was uh, he was at the the registration for us. He's he's kind of the man behind the curtain. You know, you wouldn't know he was there. He's so quiet, but he's probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Does a ton behind the scenes that people don't realize. So got to call him out as well. Yeah, there, there's about I don't know. You can count them on one hand, guys. If you mention their name tied to an event running an event, anything like that, instant street cred, you know it's going to be all right, and Duke's oh, yeah. one of those guys. So, yeah. For sure. Congrats to you both. Philip. Way to, way to make the comeback, man, and go go back-to-back. Gee, way to grind and finish second, you know, after, after you know, having trouble on day two. That just shows, you know, what kind of fisherman you are to, to get out and continue to grind and, and pull it out and qualify for the TOC. Hats off to you both. 
Thank you. All right, fellas. Have a great night. We're going to let you slide out of here and get this giveaway done. Congrats. See you, boys. There we go. Hammers. Philip and G. Hammers. Goodness yeah. gracious. They're going to name rename Sam Rayburn uh, Philip Wyatt Reservoir. I guess, in there. man. He Golly. He's got, a, he's got a plaque out there somewhere on that lake, I'm sure. Yeah. Never sleep on him again. I won't. Not down there. If we learned anything tonight, always vote yeah. for Philip to win. <laughs> That's right. Sam Rayford. <laughs> All right, y'all. So we're doing a cigar pack giveaway tonight, and no one was able to cheat the system because I came up with a whole new thing. Hashtag respool. Everybody's going to respool for a minute, but uh, it's actually yeah. respool. So it was a play on cesspool. Respool. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Respool tonight. So hashtag respool to get a chance at the win. That was a good show, man. Oh that yeah, was... for sure. Super, super knowledgeable guys, you know, especially when it comes to those Texas waters, <laughs> as yeah. we've seen. Yeah. That was a fun one to watch. I was keeping up with that one, man, because, you you know, especially when you look down that that top 10 list on day one, I felt like anybody could could make that move, you know. What, what do you think about the, you know, the first, we make a joke about it, and there's been a lot of chatter on the page, you know, first two events out, basically no motors, no, no FFS still winning. There's still a shot. There's still you a chance. For everybody. To, I mean, and that's, that's what kind of like threw me off when people were getting so upset. Like this is some crazy game changing thing. Like this stuff has been, it's been in the sport. It's been around for the past few years, especially people were using motors pre-fishing the entire time. Like that's not going to determine your availability to, you know, success or, or finding fish. It is going to make you more efficient if you know how to manage it. It can also be a detriment, I think. I think yeah. in your mind, you can be like, oh, I'll just run across the lake and check this spot over here, and and you you know, you know left your fish. So I think it's it's still – you're going to see the same names at the top no matter what. Yeah, I think there's a lot of other things that can change in fishing to affect leaderboards more than the tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Agreed. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff there. Uh, we're up to, let's see, six – We've, we've had around a hundred live all night, but there's only, I don't know why it's like 50% of the people into the giveaway. Usually people don't want free stuff, man. They want to yeah. work for it. And I like that. They're out there paddling. Yeah. Hey, and something else. Let me just get, <laughs> let me just talk to the folks over on the YouTubes, Ryan. We're climbing, we're steadily climbing over on YouTube. If you're watching on Twitch or X slash Twitter, we appreciate you there too. But I saw a stat on our YouTube. that's kind of mind blowing to me. It's a, a vast majority of the people that watch this thing over there aren't subscribed to the YouTube channel. What? What's wrong? They just, they just watch it every week. So if you slide, if you're sliding by later, if you're watching right now and you're not subscribed, just hit the button. It's free. Yeah. It didn't cost hit you anything. The button. Come on. Hit, hit the, the button. button. Do it. Hit the button. It's free. Just like this. It's going to feel good. Yeah. Just do it. It's a little dopamine hit for you. And yeah. for me. <laughs> it's All three right. cents to Jeff. Every time you hit the subscribe. That's right. All right. We're going to hit this draw button. Give away a little little uh, cigar pack tonight. Here we go. Let's do it. It's slow roll time. <laughs> the That's my favorite of, part. The sadness of Mondays. <laughs> I'm telling you. Tales from the Creek. Sorry, Dig. You got slow rolled tonight. But Tales from the Creek. I like that name. Tales from the Creek. Yep. You're the winner, man. Hit us up. Uh, Nation at gmail.com or just slide into the DMs on Facebook. One of us or the, or the page itself, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, somebody up. will see it at some point. Yeah. I, on the actual Facebook page, Ryan checks those messages periodically. I do too, but to be honest with you, I'm terrible at checking those messages. And Facebook. I go back and check them again. I messaged a guy today that had gotten his cigar pack like in December. 
He's like, only a month and a half later. I was like, you got your prize bag, didn't you? I was just making sure you got the line, man. Come on. Yeah. Help me help you. It's like the 1980s shipping. Four to six weeks for delivery. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you never know. Hey, Blake Abbey just said his Coastal Angler article, he's going to put a link to our YouTube in it. Hey, appreciate that, Blake. Thank you. You're good people, Blake. Good people. It. 10 out of 10. It. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else? We're ready to shut this thing down. That's it. I'm out. We're gone. See y'all.